Uh, but for those that are just tuning in, let me just put a link again to the slide deck and we'll jump right in. We are just so glad to see everyone here tonight. I'd love to welcome you all to Citizens Climate University. It's a weekly webinar program of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Cease, and tonight's topic is really jumping into getting started with local partnership ideas. This is something that obviously a lot of us have done already, but we're gonna be trying it on in new and different ways with our expanded policy agenda. So as CCL expands our policy agenda, it opens up the possibilities for our chapters to really do more local work. And we wanna do more work with local and state level climate groups and policymakers as we expand our policy agenda. For instance, chapters might begin working to promote urban forests by planting trees with a local community organization or support building electrification and efficiency by engaging with your local community leaders to electrify your schools or municipal buildings. Tonight, you're gonna to be joined by CCL staff for a discussion around how and what you can do to jump in to get started with some of these local partnership ideas. So with that, um, you will be hearing from two of my dear friends on staff here. In addition to myself, I'll be emceeing, uh, but I'll largely pass it to Salemi Hernandez, CCL Southeast Regional Coordinator, and Stephanie Mungia, CCL Student Engagement Manager, really do a lot of the presentation tonight. Both of them have done a wonderful job helping us think through what this might look like, sharing stories from their own local chapters and recommendations on how we, we should really enter with certain mindsets as we do this kind of work. And if we've done our job well, we are gonna walk away with the following three learning goals collectively. We'll help understand why approaching any partnership with service at the center of your outreach is key. We'll explore what building partnerships can look like with a grounding example. And we'll provide some initial suggestions on how you too can work with local groups in your community. And again, a little reminder, if you're already doing this work, please feel free to start sharing in the chat what that looks like. And when we get to Q&A, we have a couple of uh, slides of prompts for people to also be prepared to share what that might look like locally so that we can learn from you too. It's not just a one-way exchange of information. So with that though, if we uh, follow our agenda forward tonight, we are gonna start with grounding ourselves again in the reminder of why service is so important in our grassroots outreach, our third level of political will. We're gonna talk about the importance of doing your research ahead of time, really starting from a humble attitude and really finding out more about your community before jumping in. Stephanie is going to give a great example um, using five phases with the specific example of tree planting. You can also look at this from a variety of other perspectives as well or other activities. And then we'll close out by thinking about some of the next step ideas. Say you do jump into this, what then uh, should you do next? So with that though, um, what I'd love to do is obviously just uh, have the chance first and foremost to pass it to Salemi and we'll hear a couple of her ideas here about why service matters. To start, let's refresh ourselves with the importance of service and how it fits within our grassroots outreach lever of political will. TCL grassroots outreach focuses on the general public in our communities. Through this outreach, we build support for climate action and carbon pricing. We make ourselves and our work known in our community. We find new members and we build relationships in the places where we live. We invite and educate the public on climate solutions, citizens' advocacy, and how to participate with one's government. 
We value service as a way to empower our volunteers and build important connections within our communities. Service is an important part of being an active member of your community, necessary to build relationships and strengthen democracy. CCL is singularly focused on climate change with a strong emphasis on pricing carbon as an essential tool to lower emissions. But for many communities and organizations, immediately engaging on the issue of carbon pricing is not an effective way to win friends and make allies. We have, we have to always move at the speed of relationships and relationship requires trust and takes time. One of the best ways to build trust is to show up for someone else's cause without expectations that they will show for ours. In the words of President Theodore Roosevelt, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. As a part of our grassroots lever, emphasizing if emphasizing service is an essential way to build relationships with more diverse people and organizations on all sides of the political spectrum. This can give you a chance to engage with others without your CCL hat, but don't worry, as you build relationships and trust in the natural course of the conversations, you will be asked, what do you do or what are your other passions? And that's the perfect time to share about CCL. So with that, I think it's really important, you know, to have that as our mindset. And then to also think about as we're jumping in, what are some of the things that we can do to really have a chance to do more research, to feel more prepared, right? And a couple of things that as I've been com uh, in conversation with various staff and individuals that are helping us frame our policy agenda, I wanted to provide a list here of four important readings and videos. This is specifically jumping in to thinking about using our focus on healthy forests. You can do the same thing across any of our policy agenda areas. Um, but I think that there's a really important attitude to have about before figuring out that you have the solution and are gonna show up in the community and tell everyone about it, to understand the communities that you might be going in to present to and their own context and history as well. And so on the urban forest side of things, there are some wonderful resources featured here from NPR to the New York Times to a couple of wonderful and very you know, powerful short videos from Now This Earth and The Recount that are really helping connect the dots about how redlining, the practice that was done throughout the 1930s through the 50s with the Homeowners Loan Corporation, the Federal Housing Administration, even the VA eventually, um, they basically designated color codes that were designed to indicate where it was safe to insure mortgages. And anywhere where African-Americans lived was basically colored red to indicate that appraisers in those neighborhoods thought it was too risky to insure mortgages. That legacy still lives today. Um, you're gonna see in a couple of the slides uh, later on here today, um, just about how that impact of redlining continues to still show up in the difference between neighborhoods and the communities that we as Americans live in. Um, one powerful quote from American Forest CEO, who we continue to work a lot um, close, more closely with from one of these videos, Jad Daly said, a map of tree cover in virtually any city in America is also effectively a map of income and race. And so just really being aware of a lot of the dynamics that are present into why some communities may have 
more or less tree cover is critical in entering into that with a spirit of humility. Um, <clears throat> we also know, again, the importance of, especially with urban forests, thinking about this as a way of really understanding that, yes, every tree does help draw down CO2 and in turn contributes to solutions for climate change, but it's also a matter of helping communities survive climate change already. Today, trees prevent approximately 1,200 more heat-related deaths annually in American cities. A lot of these articles highlight. Uh, we know that in predominantly white communities, tree cover is around one-third of the surface, and that in communities of color, it's barely one-fifth. So that is a dramatic divide that obviously we as volunteers can help continue to raise awareness of and take proactive solutions with, but also by doing so, we need to make sure that we're aware of the background behind why that is the case and how we can enter into that um, relationship with community organizations that have already been doing that with a spirit of humility. And so with that, you know, in addition to reading or watching videos, I think it's just really important to acknowledge the, the aspect of humility that is so critical in our work and doing our research ahead of time. And that also we should acknowledge that we're most likely going to be entering spaces locally in our community that are already being led by other organizations. So Stephanie is going to do a great job in just a little bit of helping figure out who those organizations might uh, be in your community, especially if you're interested in urban forests and tree planting. Uh, but I think that's a really essential acknowledgement and I think it's also really important to address this tendency or importance you know, for white identifying individuals to not rush into a community to think that you have all the solutions and in turn become a white savior. Now that term white savior is really a critical description of a white individual who's depicted as rescuing or uplifting non-white people. Uh, and it's critical in the sense that it describes a pattern in which people of color that are majority non-white are denied agency and are seen as passive recipients of white identifying individuals' benevolence. So I think that's a really critical dynamic for all white identifying individuals, again, to be aware of as we're building these relationships so that we're not coming in with all our solutions, but instead we can listen, learn, and co-create these solutions together. So with that, um, I think it's also really important to think through some of the questions that you and your team should be thinking about in building local partnerships. Obviously, as we expand our policy agenda, it's gonna open up the possibilities for our chapters to do a whole host of additional work. And these questions really are from a list that you don't have to already have thought through all of them to already jump right in. But I think if you can take a moment to really think through what is most important for you and your team's work as you develop these relationships, I think that's going to help really build out that um, forethought like we talked about and help you understand and get clarity of purpose of what that is, uh, what the purpose behind your relationships that you're building in these local partnerships is intended for. So is it meant to deepen a connection with your important local allies? Is it meant to help you achieve goals behind our policy agenda? Um, is it intended to increase momentum for federal legislators to take bold action on climate change? Will it help increase momentum for potential allies to also take on supporting bold federal climate policy? Is it going to help grow and diversify the climate movement um, that's behind calling for these bold climate pieces of legislation? Is it going to build bipartisan support for climate action? Is it going to help provide opportunities for you to then engage with local community leaders to ask for endorsements or statements of support? 
your local partnership doesn't have to check all these boxes. In fact, it's probably going to be hard to do all of them in one uh, partnership that you're developing. But you can see from this list of questions that there's a whole wide range of opportunities that exist in the local partnerships that you'll be building. And so to think ahead of time on which ones you're really wanting to target and key in on, I think is going to help you and your team have more success with that ability in that uh, setup. So what I'm going to do next is actually pass it back to Salemi, who's done a wonderful job of showing what her local team has done with two service stories in action. And then we'll look through a list of criteria that Stephanie has prepared to really help us think through, especially if you're interested in tree planting, what that might look like. So with that, I'll pass it to Salemi again here. One way to start looking for service opportunity aligned with our policy agenda, it's very simple. Just, go, just Google local organizations, look for the volunteer activities and sign up. Community gardens, environmental organizations, and citizen science activities are a good way to start building your network. In Palm Beach County, Florida, for example, you can sign up for a volunteer event with their environmental resource management department. These are hands-on environmental projects, planting, trash cleanup, exotic, exotic plant removal, and even you can host a guided tour at the county-owned natural areas with your chapter. We already had our network built in our community, so this is the picture taken when OneTree.org and members of the Temple Beth in South Fort Myers invited us to restore a six-acre preserve with native plants located behind the temple. These multiple events to complete the project were super fun. You can take your whole family, as you see, I took my two boys in the picture, connect with nature and make new friends while building relationships with your community. Another snapshot of service in action and the relationship we build in our community was when Growing Climate Solutions, a local climate organization, invited us to plant trees for a new community in construction with Habitat for Humanity. During this event, we had the opportunity to meet a newly elected county commissioner, and we were featured in our local newspaper. And because of our ongoing relationship with Growing Climate Solutions, TCL has been invited to be a speaker in their January 2023 conference. They constantly invited, invite us to talk about the work we do and they share our CCL events in, their in the monthly newsletter. Actively supporting a cause important to your community is a fantastic way to feel connected with something bigger than yourself and enjoy an instant gratifying feeling like you're making a difference in the world by working on tree equity. Excellent. So with that, what I'd love to invite all of you to do is start thinking and putting in the chat you know, specifically, I'm guessing you came tonight really wanting to actually engage on what this looks like in your own local community. And so this is a great question that Salemi asks us, what ways jumped out to you with those examples so far that sound exciting that you'd like to try out? Start taking a moment to write them down in the chat or obviously in your own email or keep device, whatever you're using. And we'll continue to build on those as we go through tonight. I'll read those out when we get to Q&A, but this is a prompt for you to start brainstorming together about what you're excited about. And if you haven't yet considered some of the options for each of our policy agenda areas, what I'd like to do is suggest a few additional ideas for two of those spheres that I think are most ripe and exciting 
in new dimensions, building electrification and efficiency in healthy forests. On the building electrification and efficiency front, the first and easiest thing we can do is just engage on CCL community, looking at the trainings on this topic and familiarizing ourselves with the issues and how they can relate to our local area. We already have a wonderful intro training and, uh, and more advanced training. We're gonna have a live CCU on that in January with Jonathan Marshall, one of our excellent research coordinators and some additional partners that he'll engage with. You can connect with any local organizations that are promoting building efficiency and electrification and connect that info and local resources that you then share with your community. We'd also love you to feel free to use our forums. I'll share that in just a moment again and share what you're finding locally with, you know, providing with your public so that others can be inspired or think through how they might show up with that as well in their community. You can obviously include those resources then with your tabling and presentation materials to help make climate solutions tangible to everyday community members that you're interacting with and helping them get engaged on the topic. A couple of great examples that Rewiring America reviewed with us at the conference. They have a campaign for mayors and municipal leaders uh, that they call Rewiring America's Mayors and Municipal Leaders for Electrification Caucus. If you're interested in finding out more about that, you can easily follow the link in the chat that I just put. Um, they also have a similar opportunity for schools and CEOs. So if you haven't yet uh, heard about their issue, um, their opportunities with either of those, um, you're more than welcome. I'll just put a link to both of those in the chat um, to also check those out. Um, and then lastly, um, you can also just, you know, whether it's with another partner org like Rewiring America or your own research, especially connecting the dots with funding that's gonna be more available through the Inflation Reduction Act to help with this topic. Um, working with local officials and advocacy organizations to help your members of your community take advantage of that funding, um, I think is absolutely critical and a really key role that a lot of groups in your space are probably already doing that you can engage with, help amplify, maybe help identify where there's maybe some gaps that you and your team can plug into. I know that we've already been engaged here locally in Duluth with a lot of those conversations uh, with our Duluth Climate Energy Network on who's doing what for which local nonprofits. All right, on the healthy forest side of things, there's a whole host of options. And again, in just a moment, we'll listen to Stephanie uh, specifically think through what a tree planting might look like. But I would suggest, again, before doing anything else, connecting with local organizations who are already engaged in this expertise with doing programs in that area and partnering with them. They're already doing this. You don't have to be the expert. That can include anything from city arborist staff to American Forests, who we had as one of our partner groups in the um, conference, to the Arbor Day Foundation, Master Gardener Groups, you name it, horticultural societies in your local community. There's many options. And just being able to really find out more about what they're engaged with and what they've already pursued is going to help you identify their priorities for the years ahead, as well as you know maybe where there's been barriers that they've run into that you can already learn from. The other thing that American Forest did a really wonderful job of reminding us of is tree equity um, and just using a tool that they have. And I'm actually going to share a quick slide on that where you can look up your individual city's tree equity with this tool. I just put a link to it in the chat. It's just simply treeequityscore.org. It's part of American Forest, their larger coalition project. And you can basically see that in this resource, you are going to have a chance to visualize what an actual neighborhood score looks like 
One of the videos I looked at earlier does a wonderful job of promoting what that might look like in a community like Los Angeles. Now, you might be curious, you've never heard of the term tree equity. I hadn't before our work with American Forests. What is tree equity? Well, trees are obviously more than scenery for any of our cities. They're critical infrastructure that every person in every neighborhood deserves and a basic right that we can help them secure. And a map of tree cover you know, in America's cities, like I highlighted, Jad Daly shared, is a map too often of income and race. And that's because trees are often sparse in low-income neighborhoods and some in neighborhoods of color. So ensuring equitable tree cover across every neighborhood in our country can help also address social inequities so that all people thrive. And what this tool does is use something called a tree equity score that calculates those scores based on how much tree canopy and surface temperature align with income, employment, race, age, health factors in the US. They're available for 150,000 neighborhoods in the US and 486 different urbanized areas. And those are defined as places that have at least uh, 50,000 individuals. And that entails basically 70% of the US population. So what that does is it looks at urban areas and basically provides a score that indicates whether there's enough trees in specific neighborhoods or municipalities for everyone to experience those benefits that we just talked about. And ultimately, if you're curious, again, just go to treeequityscore.org. I put a link to it in the chat. And then from there, you'll see a great interactive map where you can hover over different neighborhoods. This happens to be the Duluth Superior Municipal Area here where I live. You can see there's a lot of great canopy or tree equity in certain neighborhoods. And in other neighborhoods, that kind of brown orange color indicates a much different story. So again, really helping that identify where in your community you may even be able to start learning about uh, where are the barriers and how you can help support communities to have access to more trees. So that's a great example. Um, the other thing that I wanted to highlight uh, outside of using that as a tree equity score in your research for healthy forests is thinking about connecting with representatives, um, obviously from those local community neighborhoods that might want new trees or more trees to see if there are ways to support them. I think that's first and foremost. And again, you can engage with your city. Many city have urban forest or arbor staff uh, that are doing programs in the parks, inviting members of the community around that as a way to also hook into and highlight those benefits. Um, you can also even use, you know, again, our other levers for promoting urban forests. You can write letters to the editor to raise more awareness, fold in some of the local storytelling in your presentations or your tabling, connect with the grass tops, dare I say the tree tops uh, of your community uh, to have uh, potentially them show up in your lobby meetings with you. You name it, a host of options is available. And it is great to see already what's going on um, with what Janet and Meredith and Callie have shared. Thank you so much. I'm loving reading these. Uh, let's, let's jump into storytelling just a little bit. Make sure to keep reading what everyone else is sharing. And <clears throat> what I'm actually going to do is pass it to Stephanie, who is going to give us a really helpful five-phase walkthrough of what this might look like as far as building local partnerships with a specific service activity. And again, that is tree planting. So I'll let uh, Stephanie take it from here and then we'll- Thanks, Brett. Addressing inequity in tree cover in urban areas is not something CCL can or even should do on its own. We're new to this work, so we're going to need to learn new ways of collaborating with others. You should also remember that this strategy may not be suitable in all contexts. 
your first responsibility is to figure out whether or not to proceed. To help you get started, we've outlined five phases of engagement. Soil building, taking root, branching out, growing strong, and watering and nurturing. Just remember, this is a guide, not a checklist. In phase one, we're soil building. And the goal of this phase is to set yourself up for success by analyzing the soil around you. Assume this is brand new territory, even if you are a local. First, you might look up your community's tree equity score. Are there areas of your district that have a lower tree equity score? Or does your district already have good tree cover? There's nothing wrong with adding trees where there are many already, but we can maximize our impact by prioritizing those communities where trees are most needed. Second, you might ask yourself, do you live in or already engage deeply in that community? This will affect how you show up. If you're new, you'll want to put more energy into researching the community before you proceed into the next phase. Though we recommend doing this research even if you are local to the area. You may be surprised by what you don't know. Third, research in the community. Check out their local news and events and try attending a few. Start to build trust with this community by listening to them in their own spaces. If somebody wants to know more about why you're there, remember to lead with CCL's broader mission of enacting big solutions to climate change, not any one specific policy agenda. Be prepared for this process to take time. The best soils take years to develop. Moving into phase two, we're going to begin taking root. In this phase, you should start socializing the idea of tree equity and of CCL as a valued partner in that effort. Remember to listen closely and deeply to what you hear in these communities. Don't assume that the people that you're meeting with will want to engage in this and get comfortable with getting turned away. First, you'll want to connect with potential community partners like city arborists, master gardeners, and so on. Get a sense of what has already been done in this community. You might find at this stage that there are specific reasons why this work hasn't already been done or that there are plans in the works already. Second, connect with trusted community leaders and earn their trust. This will look different for every community, but consider connecting with local community resource centers or places of worship. These are the folks who will help bring the community together around tree equity, and they can also be authentic representatives of the needs of that community. Third, align your interests and capacities. What does the community really need support with? If there's already interest in planting more trees, what specifically has prevented them from doing it? It might be lack of financial capacity, trees aren't cheap, or difficulties navigating city ordinances. What is your chapter good at that can help fill those gaps? Do you have a strong media team that can help get the word out about the importance of tree equity? Or a skilled grass tops team that can encourage local nurseries to secure tree donations? Work with community partners and leaders to identify what specific value your chapter adds to the conversation and lean into that niche. In phase three, start branching out, planning in earnest. By this point, you will have earned the trust of key players and you'll have clarity around what your chapter can contribute to this work. Now you can start to engage the community in making decisions. Try co-hosting a community gathering where you show folks the tree equity score of their area and maps. Ask them to share their thoughts on where would be the best place to plant new trees. Invite a local arborist to explain how different tree species grow and solicit feedback from the community on what trees might be suitable there. Bringing the community along from the beginning of the planning process will start cultivating local advocates. Confirm that your paperwork is in order. 
most cities have really strict rules about where trees may be planted. You may need to use your advocacy skills with your commissioners to change these rules or work with the local parks department to add trees to an existing green space. Now you're ready for phase four. You'll be growing strong. Your planning pays off. The actual event. By this point, you've done most of the hard work, but you should pay close attention to making sure the event itself lives up to CCL's values and brand. First, you wanna pick a date and make it a big deal. Community members can help inform this too. Perhaps there's a specific holiday that is significant to them that they would like to celebrate by planting some trees. They can also help you get the word out about the event. Leverage your media skills to get the word out in local papers. You want to invite everyone and also remember to give credit where it's due. Your chapter has played an important role in making this happen, but you're not the only ones involved. Showcase the value of this collaboration in your promotional materials and at the event itself. Be creative with your invite list, but always remember to live by our values. And of course, let's put some trees in the ground. Now in phase five, we need to move into watering and nurturing mode. One of the major reasons why tree planting fails is that people forget to plan for what happens after the event. This is a living organism that you have brought into this space together. After you've cultivated these relationships, don't disappear. You have invested major time into building trust in this community. Sticking around shows that you're committed to the work. You can make a plan for tree upkeep, rotate regular maintenance with community partners, and if watering is needed in your community, make sure it's happening. And yes, you should do some of it yourself. Keep showing up and keep the conversation going. If you've done this right, you'll have a group of folks who believe in what you stand for. Celebrate your success together at regular intervals. Consider maybe having an Earth Day gathering or an anniversary celebration. Over time, those can become entry points for talking about CCL's other work. That's the overview for these five phases of engagement. Soil building, taking root, growing strong, branching out, and watering and nurturing. Just remember, this is still a guide, not a checklist. This may look different for your community, but we're excited for you to go out there and do this great work. Back to you, Brett. Thank you, Stephanie. I think that was just a really beautiful metaphorical five-phase walkthrough. So thank you, obviously, for helping us think through what that might look like for tree planting. And like you've shared, obviously, I think for any of the approaches, whether we're talking about other areas within urban forests or healthy forests or building electrification, that same approach can apply. Uh, the last thing I wanted to highlight before just opening up for Q&A here is just a reminder that as you jump into your different actions, don't forget to put those into the action tracker, especially if they're actually related to a service event. You can go directly to that grassroots outreach event and then click on service from there. It can easily also be under other or whatever category that you find. There's a link in the chat and uh, we'd love to make sure to get credit uh, for each and every one of those activities to learn what really is working for individuals. And then the other thing I wanted to highlight again is this reminder about our policy agenda. And so if you go to our SciWide forums, from there, you can basically click on the, well, any page, you can click on the connect at the top of the screen, and then from the drop-down menu, the SiteWide forums, and then from there, you can see CCL's policy agenda is the category name, and from there, there's a category for each of our expanded policy areas. Um, so I just put a link in the chat where you can also find that, and then you would just click on whatever topic you're most interested in, and from there, add topic to add your story 
to our larger event uh, or category for the forums. I always do love to have you log your trainings. And from there, there's going to be a link specifically to this local partnerships um, training link. So from there, here is what you can do. You can click that link in the chat. Um, again, you can always do that logging your training directly through the action tracker too. That's what the sequence highlights. And then again, just a reminder, if anyone does have great experiences, I mean, tonight we've already heard about four or five different wonderful examples of how you and your team are going to jump in on this local partnership idea. Please share them in the forums. Uh, again, we're all learning together. Please share those stories or thoughts online, and we look forward to learning alongside of you. Um, so with that, we hope that you found tonight's training empowering and energizing, and I'm going to unmute all lines so that we can hear your friendly voices as you sign off tonight. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Stay safe out there. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank everybody. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.